Well, kids, I cannot believe it. Summer is over. School has started for you. That means pop quizzes. Why are the parents clapping? I mean, this pop quizzes, tests, homework, all that stuff that surrounds school, the school lunch. How many of you kids, your mom and dad makes your lunch and you take it to school in your little ninja turtle bag and all sorts of All right. How many of you guys, you eat the school lunch? All right. Awesome. I know how to pray for you now. But, uh, how many of you guys remember going to the school lunch and the lunch ladies would have their little shower caps on and they'd have little bags in their hand and they would, you know, just grab it with their hands and like, do you guys remember that? Yeah. And do you remember the salad? They had this carrot, shredded carrot salad with raisins and some white sauce. It was disgusting. Anybody remember that one? Yeah. And it was just nasty. They'd like, Next, and you try to move your thing away to, so they went. And I, I swear they'd only make one batch of that stuff and try to get rid of it all year long. It was just nasty. How many of you guys remember the Salisbury steak? That was like the best meal the school ever provided. And I think it's just like smashed out, you know, hamburgers, whatever, and put in gravy sauce, but it was delicious. It was awesome. Okay, but anyway, school is coming uh, to a start. Summer is at the end, and that means that our summer series is coming to an end as well. Today is going to be the last day, and I really do hope that you have learned uh, a lot. Hopefully, you remember the stories we, we talked about throughout the summer, not just the hummingbird story, but the Bible stories. Hopefully, you'll remember that one. Um, but uh, they are stories that can be life-changing if we really think about it and apply our lives to them. But today we're going to wrap up the series by looking at Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3. It's a passage that I've talked about before, so it'll seem familiar for uh, many of you. But to begin with, we're going to kind of do kind of a long quiz to refresh our memories. And guys, I saved the sweet daddy bag for third service. It's got like the Mr. Good bars and all the good stuff in here. And uh, so I'm going to have to move rather quickly, so... We got a lot of questions to go through, so just raise your hand if you know the answer, and um, we'll go from there. Okay, from this section back, right here, from here, middle back, uh, first question. Do you think you can give me the entire definition of faith that we used? Sunglass man, right there. Give it to me. Here we go. This is for big money. I'll help you out. It starts out with the word belief. Belief in the... Belief in the unseen reality of God and what he's doing. Doing. Very good. Well done. You get three for there. Okay. Uh, This section forward. It's adults here. You see how good you are. Uh, What did God ask Noah to do? All the moms are all building an ark. Build an ark. Very good. See, if you would have answered, you would have gotten the candy, but my mom has it. All right, this section right here. Why? Why did God tell him to build an ark? He's going to bring a flood. Good job, honey. All right. This section right here. What did God promise Abraham and Sarah? Son. Very good. Well done. Oh, this is all dark Hershey junk. Oh, it's not. It's milk, actually. All right, this section right here. Uh, what did they name the son when he was born? Anybody? Way in the back. Very good. Be a good catch here, bud. Here we go. Whoop. Here, try again. 
Try again? No? All right. Okay. This section again. What did God ask Abraham to do with his son Isaac? Here, that was for trying. All right, Mia. Kill him. That's a little hard, but very good. That's right. Very good job. Sacrifice him. A little softer. All right. What was the order that Pharaoh gave for all the Israelite baby boys? Right in the back there. Did I see your hand, young lady? Thrown into the Nile River. That's exactly right. This section right here. What did Moses' parents do with Moses for three months? Hit him? (laughs) Hide him. Very good. Well done. Okay, that section over there. Who found Moses in a basket hidden in the Nile River in the reeds? Jamie? Who found him? Very good. What who was it? Good job, and I knew you were going to get it right. Okay, this section here. When the Israelites came up to the Red Sea, what did God do for them? John? Part of the Red Sea. Mr. Goodbar or Hershey's? All right. Okay, this section right here. What happened to the Egyptian army that was chasing after them? They got crushed. Very good. Good job. All right, this section over here. What was the name of the giant that taunted the Israelite army? Way in the back, the dude in the red. What was his name? Goliath. Here you go, bud. Josh, get it for him. Okay. This section here. How did David kill Goliath? Well, I'll pick the young lady here, Shirley. Threw a rock, or what did he put it in? Sling. Very good. Great job, hon. Okay, that section over there. If anyone didn't bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, what happened to them? Back. Furnace. Very good. Great job. Okay, and then I think this is the last one. Uh, Three men were thrown into the furnace, but how many did the king see walking around? And who do you think it was? I've already picked on you guys. Anybody else guessing? Do you know, bud? Okay, what is it? And how many did he see? Very good. Oh, this is all special dark. Sorry, bud. I'll give you the good junk. Here we go. All right. All right, guys. Last time I throw candy for another year. So heads up. Yancey, come on, buddy. All right, ready, guys? Way in the back. All right. Way in the back. In the center. Ooh, that almost hit you. I'm like, there we go. Okay, way in the back here. All right. Over here. And then here. All right. Way in the back. Ooh, that one like frisbee. The middle center. Front. Front. All right. I still got a half a bag. Should I finish it on you guys? 
All right. Sound booth. Ready? There you go, Kyle. There's a pregnant woman back there. I don't want to throw too hard. Heads up. This is like the best part of my job right here. Over here. Front row. Here you go. If you're too close to front, you like get skipped. It's way too bad. Two more throws. Back section there. Oh. (laughs) All right. That far corner hasn't gotten much. There we go. Mint can? (laughs) I'm going to whip that at you. Okay, very good, guys. Well... What we just covered in our quiz are just a few of the faith heroes that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, this chapter is loaded with them. Um, I'd encourage you to read through it because there's like a, a list of 20 or 22 of them mentioned, um, but a whole bunch of them weren't even mentioned by name, but people who live by faith, incredible faith. And look at what it says about them in, in verse 33. It says, these men who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned, they were sodden too, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. And then look at what verse 38 says about these people. Look at this, it says, The world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. In other words, the world didn't deserve for these incredible people to live amongst them. They were godly, sold out, set apart, holy, faithful people. And and tell me, Whitestone, what happened to them? What did the world do to them? Persecuted them, even killed them. The world wasn't worthy of them, and yet the world actually killed them. Which, you know what? There's something that we need to consider here. This is a little bit serious, a little bit sobering for us, but kids, you need to know this. If you're going to choose to live a life by faith in this world, you're going to face opposition. People are going to come against you. They're going to come against you. It just will. It's no different today as it was back then. If you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ in this world today, you will be as different to the world as light is to darkness. But that's okay. We're called to be different. The Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to this world any longer, but be what? Transformed. What that means is, don't be just like the world. Don't just fit into the world, but be completely different. But I'll warn you, if you choose to do that, it could be hazardous to your health. It could actually come to a point where they may take your life. And that's just something we need to be aware of. 
All right, so here we have the entire chapter 11 of Hebrews listing out all these amazing men and women of faith. And then notice how Hebrews chapter 12 starts. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, kids, let me ask you a question. Whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, what are you supposed to do? See what it's there for. So let's do that. Let's see what it's there for. Why is the word therefore in chapter 12? Well, the reason it's there is because it is pointing back to Hebrews chapter 11, talking about all the great heroes of faith. And Hebrews chapter 11, as we just saw, lists out all these great men and women who have died and gone before us. And it lists them out. And then it goes, therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witness, since we're surrounded by these great men and women who have died before us, who lived great lives of faith, since we're surrounded by these people, let's run the race. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Think about how awesome that is. You know what the author of Hebrews is actually telling us there? He's saying that we're surrounded in the unseen realm by these great men and women of old. So in a real sense, they are in the spiritual grandstands and they're cheering us on. They're cheering us on. Think of that. Think of how powerful that is. Who doesn't like getting cheered on? It's awesome to be running a race and having people on the sidelines saying, run, go, go, go. I've told this story many times, so many of you guys know the story, but some may have not. Uh, In high school, I was in track, and I ran the 110 high hurdles. And my mom would come to my high school meets, and she would sit up in the grandstands and watch, and you know, you'd line up and get in the little starting blocks, and then you'd go, ready, set, and then you'd shoot the gun, and you'd take off running. And my mom would stand up with her white handkerchief and she'd go, look at, 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 the entire race while I'm running. And it was awesome because my friends would come up to me and say, dude, your mom is awesome. That's awesome. And I'd be in the, like, in the lunch line, looky, 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 and I'd just be mocked forever. But I want you to think about it in a very real sense. Moses and David and Noah and Abraham and, and all these great men and women of old are in the spiritual stand, grandstands and they're cheering us on. Isn't that cool? They're, they're just, they're, they're cheering, they're saying, run hard, Chris, don't stop, keep going. Don't, don't give up, don't be tempted by that. Run to this, run after Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus and they're cheering us on. I love this picture right here. There's a picture somebody drew. But here's a pastor. He's preaching. But in the background, you see all those people. It represents the people in the unseen realm. There's John the Baptist and probably Peter and uh, Elijah, all these great people. And they're in the unseen realm, in a sense, cheering this pastor on. And I want you guys to look at that because that's, in a sense, a reality in your life. That wherever it is that you're serving, that you're working, wherever you're ministering, there are people in the unseen realm cheering you on. And they, and they, they are, uh, in a sense, just cheering for you to run after Jesus with everything that you have. Since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the people who've gone on before us, let us throw off 
everything that hinders. Kids, listen to me. To live a life of faith, you got to throw off everything that hinders. Anything that gets in the way, you have to throw it off. You know, when I was in track, I remember my senior year, they said, hey guys, you're going to get brand new, you know, uh, uniforms this year. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. All right, cool. And they gave us these little plastic bags. And I remember opening it up and this is what they gave us for shorts. <laughs> and I was like, sweet daddy, that's, uh, I'm not wearing those, you know. And, and, you know, the, just to move to the next picture so we don't are disturbed by that. But uh, here is kind of basically the uniform we were given, this little short shorts and this little blousy fishnet top, you know, and, and it was just this crazy thing. Now, tell me, why is it that they would hand that out and not coveralls? Because what would coveralls do for running? They would hinder you, exactly. So they would give you the most... Free-flowing clothes they could ever give, other than a Speedo, they gave you that to run in because they wanted you to be able to run as hard as you could and not be hindered by anything. And guys, the very same thing applies to our life. We need to be throwing off everything that hinders us from running hard. And guys, according to this verse, how much of what hinders should we throw off? All of it. How much does that leave out? Nothing. Anything that is somehow preventing us from running hard after Jesus should be thrown off. Not gently set aside, not put in our pocket for later. No, everything that hinders, we need to throw it off. We need to get rid of it. So let me ask you a question. What is it in your life that is hindering? Hindering you from running after Jesus, living a life of faith. Is It's not that you're not moving forward, but you're being hindered. What is it? Is it relationships? Is it busyness? Is it media? What is it in your life? Because you need to take this seriously and throw it off. It has to go. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Not only are we to get rid of everything that hinders us, but we're to get rid of the sin in our life. And and you read that and you go, well, that's a no-brainer, Luke. Of course we're supposed to get rid of the sin in our life. But let me ask you the question, do we? Do we get rid of the sin in our life? Because what I've noticed in our life is that we have these little pet sins that we hang on to and we cling to and we, we're just like, well, you know, this is just who I am. I've always been like this. And we hang on to them. Things like slander and gossip, jealousy, disobedience to our parents, disrespecting our parents, unforgiveness, lust, anger, all that stuff, you name it. Things that are dead set against God and yet we hang on to them acting like they're harmless. But why so? Let me tell you something. They're not harmless. They entangle us. Sin entangles us. You know what the word entangle means? It means it grabs hold of you and knocks you to the ground. 
And when I, when I think of entangling, I think of growing up in Columbia, you know, in the jungles and, you know, you could not run through the jungle. It's not like woods up here where it's kind of open. The jungle's just full of vine and bush and you, you can't run because you're going to get entangled. And, and there's just vines everywhere. I'm not sure why, but vines just grow everywhere. And if you try to run, it'll grab hold of your legs and it will throw you to the ground. Told second services story really has nothing to do with the sermon, but uh, we used to love vines, you know, per se. If we found a big vine, we're like, sweet daddy, we can swing on this one. And so uh, we found this one on the edge of kind of like a mountainside that was hanging from this big tree. And we're like, guys, check out this, this sweet little vine. And so we'd get it and we'd get up on the mountainside and then we'd swing out and be like, oh, you know, and we'd come back. And uh, it was awesome, except the fact is, is that when you'd swing out, we would hit these other vines that were hanging and you'd get kind of tangled up in them and whatever, and you would, then you'd lose your swing back, and then we'd have to drop kind of down in the mountain to do it. And so we're like, man, I wish that vine wasn't there, because then we could really swing out, and it'd be awesome. Well, my friend that I was hanging out with there, he wasn't the sharpest dude in the drawer. He, he decided, I'll take care of it. And all of us boys back then, we always wore machetes on our sides, these big long knives that we'd use to cut, you know, the jungle down. And he's like, I got it. So he scampers down the mountain and he finds the vine that's getting in our way and he starts climbing all the way up it and he gets all the way to the top of the vine and he's all, (laughs) and we're all watching this kind of going, you know, he does realize that this is the vine he's hanging on. We're like, oh, we're like, hey, Nathan, do you realize that you're cutting the vine you're hanging from? He's like, yeah, I got this. And he's like, and he falls to the mountain. We're like, thanks, Nathan. And we started swinging. I don't know how he didn't die, but so try to plug that into the sermon however you think it'd fit, but uh, I thought that was a fun story. But guys, here's, here's the serious reality is that sin literally stops your running. You, you, when you get entangled, you're no longer moving forward. You are stopped. You're at a standstill on the racetrack. Sin halts running. It shuts down a life of faith. It's kind of like, you remember those of you who played football and you were running back and that, remember that cargo net that they'd set up here? Here's a picture of it. And, and the players would, would run through and you'd practice your high knees. You would high knees your way through this cargo net and it would practice, you know, I don't know how it helped us, but that's what we were told to do. Well, they would get like a whole line of us and they'd, they'd blow the whistle like, go, 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 go. Well, invariably, what would happen to someone eventually? They'd get entangled in this cargo net, and they would go straight to the ground. And guess what happened to all the people behind us? You'd all be boom, 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 and it was just a big pile because you get entangled. And guys, I want you to see this. When you allow sin in your life and it entangles you, don't think you're the only one who's going to be affected by it. You will affect those around you too. And so you not only will shut down your life of faith, but it will affect the life of faith of those around you. So don't think you can just let sin hang around your life and it's okay and you can wink at it and think it's, it's funny. It's not funny at all. Get rid of it. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run... With perseverance. Whitestone, if there is one thing lacking in the church today across the world, in my opinion, it is perseverance. You just don't see Christians persevering much anymore. 
I mean, it's just not something you see. In fact, you don't even see people persevering in their own physical lives, let alone their spiritual lives. How many guys have ever heard of the P90X thing? Oh, hey, you guys are awesome little workout people. P90X, somebody said, oh, Luke, you've got to try this P90X. It is awesome. I mean, you, you stick with it 90 days, you get all ripped and pumped and sculpted and all the other words that they would use, and it's like amazing, you've got to do this. So I'm like, sweet daddy, I'll do it. And they says, oh, yeah, it's just, you're going to love it. So I, they lent me their videos and put it into the TV. I think I did it with my son, and I'm thinking, this is awesome. And it says, and the guy gets on, he's all ripped, and he's all, hey, all right, guys, we're going to do a 10-minute workout, or 10-minute warm-up, and then we're going to start the workout. And I'm like, okay, 10 minutes, I can hang out, you know, do that. This 10-minute warm-up was harder than most things I've ever done. And at the end of 10 minutes, he's like, all right, let's get ready for the workout. And I'm like, exhausted, and so I tried to do this. And guys, for me, it was a P9011X. Or P11X, sorry, that's, that was what, I only lasted 11 days on that bad boy because it was so hard and so crazy. And so I gave up and I quit. But let me, let me tell you something. Because I gave up and quit, I didn't reap the benefits of P90X. I only, I don't, I don't think I got anything. I just felt like a loser. You got to, you have to finish. You guys, I don't care how well you start something. If you don't persevere to the end, you won't experience the benefits of it. I remember my daughter running a race. I hope you don't mind me telling this, but she was in track her freshman year, and she was running the 400. And so I'm all excited, and she used to hate me being in stands because my voice is like, run, Alex! And, you know, everybody would hear, and she was so embarrassed. But she takes off running, and she starts just cruising. And she gets way ahead of everybody, and she's cruising along. I'm like, yeah, and I have her on video, and you can hear my voice just screaming. And she gets around to the 300 mark, and she's like, whew. And she's kind of like thinking she's at the end of the race, and all of a sudden people are passing her. I'm like, keep running. What are you doing? She thought she was at the end of the race, and she quit. And guys, the very same thing is true about a lot of us. We can start something, and we can run hard, and we can look awesome, and it's like it's going great. But if you quit midstream, you don't experience the benefits. You have to finish to the end. You have to persevere. And guys, so often in our spiritual life, when the the going gets tough, the tough don't get going, they quit. We, We get mad at God, and we say, this is, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And and so many people in our Christian realm today don't even know what perseverance is. And you want to know why? Here's why. Because you can't know what perseverance is until you have faithfully gone through a trial from beginning to end, remaining obedient to God throughout the whole thing. And that's why so many don't know what perseverance is. They won't endure. They quit. We say we believe in Jesus, and we say we want to obey Him, but when hardship comes, we run to sin. We run to distractions. And you know what I found in this world today? We are more apt. It's like we want to be distracted. We want to be entertained. And so when we're in the midst of a trial, rather than to run to the things that we should be running to, like the Word of God, spending time with God in solitude, running after prayer, Rather than that thing, we run after Netflix. We run after entertainment. We run after all the the things that this world has to offer. 
and we don't persevere. Guys, James says it like this. I want you to see this here. This is a powerful verse. It says, Consider it pure what? Pure joy, my brothers, whenever you, and you think it would be, win the lottery. It doesn't say that. It says, Consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, why in the world would we consider that pure joy? Here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. And perseverance, what? Must finish its work. It must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Guys, if we want to run our race well, we must persevere. Starting and stopping is not what Jesus is desiring for us to be doing. Amen? Think of Noah, Abraham, David. Think about how they persevered. Let me ask you something. If Noah, what did he do again, kids? He built an ark. What if he didn't persevere to the end? What would have happened when the rain came? What would have happened to his ark? It would have sunk. And what would have happened to all of humanity? Perished. Thankfully, Noah persevered to the very end. What if he would have gotten three quarters done with the boat and said, you know what, I ran a good race, but I'm done. Wouldn't have worked out. What if David, you know, he's coming up against Goliath, he gets the five stones, he puts it in his sling, he's getting closer, and he, and he sees this awesome, amazing, huge dude, and he's like, oh, I can't finish this, and he runs away. What would have happened to the Israelite army? They'd have been destroyed. Perseverance is absolutely key. We, we got to finish, even through the hard times. All right, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want us to notice that little phrase there. Let us run the race marked out for us. In other words, I believe a race has been marked out for you. Kids, I don't care how old you are, God has got a race marked out for you. And he wants you to run it. You've been given a specific race to run, and it's your duty and your responsibility to find out what that is and run your race, not somebody else's race. Your race. The one that's been marked out for you. Because if you run somebody else's race, it's not going to work out too well. You know, in track, there's a bunch of different races. There's the 3200. There's the, uh, how many ran the 3200? Anybody? Yeah, we're third service. We don't like long distance junk. Uh, the 800. Anybody run the 800? Yeah, all right, good. Anybody run the 400? Okay. Anybody run the 200? 100? Oh, we've got some sprinters in here. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, check out this picture. You know, in my track team, there was a lot of uh, people that did, did different activities. They, they, you know, they ran the 100, 400. They all did their special thing. But check out this. There's a, there's a shot putter and there's a sprinter. Kids, let me ask you, if this guy that's throwing the shot put, if he wanted to be a sprinter and run the, you know, the 100-meter dash, how well do you think he would do? Not very good. He might finish, but he's going to be about a minute or two late. Okay? 
But let me ask you this. What if this sprinter wanted to be a shot putter and throw that big heavy metal ball? How well do you think he would do? Not very good. I mean, look, he's a little wimpy dude. He can't throw that thing. But the point I'm trying to make, guys, is that we each have our special race to run. And we each are going to be doing it to the best of our ability. What, let, me, let me just say this. What if I wanted to run Kirk's race? What if I wanted to run Pastor Kirk's race? What if I'm sitting here and I'm like, dude, Pastor Kirk, he has this awesome voice and he plays the guitar and it's just amazing. And it is, I want to do that. He gets up and he starts singing. People just start worshiping. It's, I mean, I would love to do that. I want to do that. And what if I started pursuing that and I started to run that kind of race? What would happen? Well, let's just say what wouldn't happen. <laughs> Nobody would be worshiping. You guys would be like, oh, what in the world is he trying to do? No, because it's not my race to run. God has equipped Kirk for his race. And he's running it well. Run your race. And if you don't know what that race is, make sure you ask God. Because he knows exactly what he wants you to do. Guys, I have seen people invest gobs of money, tons of time, trying to prepare for a race that wasn't even theirs to run. It was somebody else's. Make sure that you don't do that. Make sure you're running after the purposes that God has for you. You know, make sure that it's not your parents that are setting out the race that you're supposed to run. Make sure it's God that's doing it. Amen? Guys, Noah ran his race. Abraham ran his race. Moses ran his race. The Apostle Paul ran his race. You run your race and run it with perseverance. All right, let's read through this verse again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now look at this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Guys, each of us have a race marked out for us, and if we want to run this race well, we need to what? Fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to focus attentively on him. Isn't that interesting? It just mentions all of Hebrews chapter 11, all these great men and women of faith. And then it says, you know, therefore, since we're surrounded by all this, it doesn't say focus your eyes on Noah or Abraham. It says, no, focus your eyes on Jesus. In other words, obey him, follow him, apprentice yourself after him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, Whitestone, tell me, why in the world would we do that? Why should we fix our eyes on Jesus? I didn't hear that. He's God. What else? Because he's a perfect what? A perfect example. That's why. He's a perfect example, not a messed up example, not a partially good example. He is a perfect example. Let me show you what it says in verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I don't have a lot of time to dissect this, and this might not interest you, you kids, but here you need to see this. That word, our is that isn't even actually in the Greek. Translators put it in there because they thought that it would flow more smoothly, and maybe it does, but I don't think, 
think so. Secondly, the word author in the Greek is ar- arpigos, something like that. It's pronounced arpigos, which means captain or prince. So Jesus is the captain of faith. Okay, That word um, perfecter in the Greek, it, it's kind of a hard one to understand, but it means perfect completer. So I, I put it all together up on the screen behind me, and I want you to kind of see this because it really kind of has a powerful thing to say. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the captain of faith, and the perfect completer of faith. Now, what does that mean? Well, believe it or not, it's actually a lot more simple than we might imagine. Of any man who ever that has ever walked this earth, when it comes to living a life of faith, Jesus is the captain. He's the prince. He's, he's, he's the best. There's no one better to have ever walked this earth, no one more superior than him when it comes to faith. Not only that, he's the perfect completer of faith. Meaning, from start to finish, he ran the race laid out for him by his father perfectly by faith all the way. He didn't waver. He didn't falter. He didn't mess up. No, he perfectly did it. So that being said, Whitestone, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, what does that mean? That means to pay attention to him. Be attentive to him. Keep your eyes focused on him. You know what bothers me is when you're talking to people and you're trying to explain what's going on, trying to show them how to do something, and guess what they're doing? Looking at what? Their phone. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, oh yeah. Yep, I totally know what you're saying. And you're trying to like show them something. You're like, you don't know what I'm saying because I'm trying to show you how to do this and you're looking at your phone. That happens all the time. And you know what? In our spiritual lives, we do that all the time. We're not focused attentively on him. We're not fixing our eyes on him. And if we don't fix our eyes on him, we're not going to be able to follow him. He's the captain of our faith. He's the most superior example ever of a man of faith on this earth that this earth has ever seen. So you can't find a better example to follow and look to. He's the best. Amen? So Whitestone, boys and girls, adults, You need to remember this. Know this. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, by Moses and David and and Samson and and all these people who went before us. You're surrounded by them, and they're in the spiritual grandstands, and they're cheering you on to run as hard as you can. Know that. And because of that, therefore, throw off everything in your life that hinders you from running the race well. And I mean everything, not just some things. Throw, throw them all off and get rid of the sin that is entangling you. The sin that is dropping you to the ground and keeping you from running. Get rid of it and run with perseverance. Persevere through the trials you're facing. Don't run to distractions or sin or anything else that this world has to offer. Persevere. Run the race set out for you. Not someone else's race, your race. The one God has laid, laid out for you. And lastly, in all of this, Whitestone, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't take your eyes off your captain. He will show you how to run this life of faith well. Perfectly well. Amen? Let me pray for you.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this faith series. I thank you for all these men and women who who lived lives of trusting in you, our unseen God, and obeying you and, and, and being joined with you in what you were doing. But most of all, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who was the perfect example of living a life of faith, the captain of faith. Thank you for him. Thank you, Jesus. And may we learn to fix our eyes on you. May we never take them off. And may you use us to do great and mighty things. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.